Hey, y'all. Welcome to the People Purpose Podcast, the show that explores all of the ins and outs, challenges and opportunities HR people managers and all people face at work every day. I'm with my semi-matching co-host, Julie Devlin. Chaz, we uh, logged on today and I immediately looked at you and I said, oh no, we're twinning. Again. Um, so, <laughs> Brother semi, and sister, can't you tell? Semi-matching. Semi yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I have to I have to tell you something, Julie. Um, and maybe this is my something good. This is a funny story. There was one time I was in a casino um in Oklahoma and I was with some very dear family friends of ours. Um, you know, the and and what was so special about it is we were there just on a whim. And my wife was having some friends up to the lake house and they were all and I'm like, I'm out. I'm gonna go with with some friends up to the casino. By the way, we look nothing alike. Uh, these friends that I went to the casino with, um, and they're older. They could be my parents. And I sat down next to uh, this elderly lady, and she was showing me how to play this game. She was showing me how to play this this slot machine because I had no idea what I'm doing on slot machines. I'd lean on you for that knowledge. And it says you generally just have to press the button. Right. Well, <laughs> evidently this one, you shouldn't change the value okay. of your denomination, whatever. Okay. Anyway, so okay. um, the friends that I went with ended up sitting down next to me. And I, I tell this elderly lady, uh, I'm like, oh yeah. She goes, oh, do you know them? And I said, oh yeah, just that's my mom and dad. And <laughs> we look nothing like, and she goes, oh, and I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's my mom here. Uh, and, and the person I was with was very short and her husband that was there, I mean, he's an average size guy. And I was like, yeah, can't you tell? And she goes, oh yeah, I, I can definitely see the family resemblance. And mind <laughs> you, the, the couple that I was with also brought their daughter along. Who's a very dear friend of mine, whom I also look nothing alike. And she goes, well, who's that young lady there <laughs> in which the dad chimes in and goes, yeah, I have no idea who she is. She's just following us around, oh my <laughs> like gosh. completely disowns his daughter. Wow. And, and, and she just goes, Oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. that's why something good. I don't know why that sparked that, no, it. That's but, a, uh, yeah. You got any more stories? Any more stories anymore? I, I have plenty. I, have, I, have <laughs> I know. Plenty. I know you do. So, all right. So I'm going to take my opportunity to, for something good um, uh -huh. to, to uh, well, it's going to be a little different. So okay. one, of, one of the, we get a lot of, of great feedback on the podcast and we appreciate all of our listeners, sure. of course. Um, but I think some of the most, oh, I don't know, heartfelt or some of the feedback that, that we get that makes me feel the best is when people who are not in HR or surrounding professions tell me that they listen to the podcast and That's they cool. love the podcast. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, thank you. I, yes. Yeah, so thank you. So I, uh, I want to just give a quick shout out to my friend, Barb, who listens to Barb. the podcast. Yes. Barb listens okay. to the pot, listens to the podcast. And I, I had the good fortune of seeing her recently. And she okay. said to me, you haven't given me a shout out on the podcast yet. <laughs> And I said, and she's like, you won't do it. She's like, you won't do it. I'm like, no, I will do it. And by the way, if we bet money on that, Barb, you owe me money. Um, oh, but, you so totally should have. 
I, I know. I know. It's so a fixed game. It is. So here's your shout out and thank you for listening. So yes, that is mm-hmm. definitely my, my something. Oh, and also thank you for your friendship, Barb. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I so, love it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's cool to, to hear, you know, I, I said, you listen to the podcast. She's like, yeah, I'm like, cool. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome. So that's special. Anyway. We, we've got a great support system around us and, and even here at UKG, which is pretty incredible. So it takes a lot of work from a lot of different people. So we, you know, we thank all of them, but uh, before we do that, Hey, in this kind of in the same, you know, road, please go rate us, review us, whatever. It really helps us. And as we always do before every episode, and we jump into the topic, we're going to give a business stat of the day. Julie, I have um, three percentages. I know it says you know, one business stat, but I, I just couldn't help myself today. Okay. Right? Chess. All so right. this is, <laughs> I'm a nerd, right? So this <laughs> yes. is from our friends over at Gartner and it states 39% of employees feel capable of responding to changing business and customer needs yet over half of those changes fail and only 34% are a clear success. It's mm. a lot of numbers. You want me to read it again? No, but what I want you, well, maybe for the listeners, but what I, what my first thought, cause you're going to ask me, um, it, like, what are they measuring? You know, what kind of change are they measuring? I don't know. I'd see, to me, it seems kind of broad, but if the, yeah, read those numbers again. Yeah. 39% of employees feel capable of responding to changing. All right. Stop there. Okay. Stop there. 39% of employees feel capable of responding to changing business requirements. Uh, just to the changing business, right? Just to the changing overarching business strategy. So it could be product, it could be service, it could be the way that they do their job. Uh, you know, there's a multitude of change that happens within a business. I know you know this, but the only 39% feel capable of responding okay. to changing business needs. Okay. That's, I felt like that's pretty low. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the question that I have there is what is capability? How do you measure capability or how do you determine mm-hmm. your capability to respond to change? Well, it's driven by customer need, right? So if if demand goes up, then you typically have to change your business model or change, you know, how you're operating or producing a good or service. Right. So I think the big thing is we know that change is never going to slow down. So how do you get people to change faster? How do you get people to accept change and move through change faster? The stat that I found interesting from this is when that change occurs, only 34 percent of employees can see a clear success. Yeah. So there's a lot of broken component. There's a lot of broken pieces to this, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, I, you're kind of stuck. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, means? no, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that it's, I just think that it's interesting. The, the numbers there, the numbers yeah. there. Um, what do you think? I can absolutely see it being a change practitioner and part of what we're going to talk about today. I can totally see that response. And the reason is, Typically when change happens and we can jump into the episode at this point is how do you go about managing change effectively and more importantly, build resilience in the process, right? So getting people to respond to the business needs, being resilient when change occurs. Some people don't necessarily respond or react to change easily 
Uh, I know mm-hmm. we've ran into several experiences where if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you need to change this. It's very resistant. So I think the big piece of this episode is how do we how do we manage change effectively and create some of that resiliency and then move our people forward in a way that not only is helping them become more resilient, both personally and professionally, but also managing change in a way in their personal and professional life that is good for themselves and good for the business. So um, just a little segue from this is two series. We did a playbook series, Julie, you and I did, and there's more to come that I talked about resiliency and how you approach it tactically in business. And then I think you're getting ready to do a resiliency playbook series on leading with data and tying it to decision-making. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about this. We've, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it already where people are like, okay, we're really glad that you do things aspirationally from a thought leadership perspective. And like, yeah, we want to take it a step further and apply it. Right. Like yeah, we want to teach yeah. you how we do these things. And that's where the playbook series came from. Um, but in light of today's episode, we're going to talk about change. And let's be real, Julie, I'm probably going to talk a little bit more because I love talking <laughs> about change. You, you are you are the change dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, and, and this was based off of a blog I wrote, um, you know, on behalf of Karina, who runs kind of our megatrends program here at UKG and, and tying it to the human energy crisis where, you know, breaking it down as surge capacity, you know, stress and how it's related. But when I saw the stats from the Gartner study, I was a little disappointed to simply ask, you know, why? Why are we not giving an environment to people that can help them accept change? Or maybe they just flat out don't know how. Well, so, what is that environment? What is that environment? That's a good question. I think a lot of it is really tying into the people and their willingness to see the good of the change that's coming. But there's a lot of steps that you have to take before that environment is created. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. But it's about intentionality. I, I agree. I agree. Intentionality is a critical piece. There's also a major education piece that if you don't educate employees in a way that they're going to respond and know what they're supposed to do, you're not setting anyone else up for success, right? Mm-hmm. So the first the first take on this, I think, is you know, you know change is going to happen. Many of our listeners are responsible for a team or managing people and implementing a change. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about building a team around who's willing to lead that charge, right? To lead the change. Does that make sense? Yes. I think that you have to go build that team. Um, (laughs) You have to build the team with change leaders, but you also have to build the team with change detractors and change folks who are not into the change, right? Don't you think so? You think so? I do. I really do. Because doesn't there need to be a balance? I, I think there needs to be. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying that if you're going through a major change, you need people to see it from both sides of the coin yeah. and find the balance, not necessarily the ones implementing. And, and I'll talk about that in a second. But where I, I think when you have to start building your team, you have to ask the question, like, what's the why? You yeah. know, so often when we go into change within an organization, it's, hey, we're changing. Right. And you your natural reaction is, okay, well, why are we changing and and what's the reason? Instead of here's why we're changing and here's yeah. the what, and then right. introducing the change. Does that make sense? Right. 
Yeah, but there's a lot of organizations too that don't have the communication piece surrounding right. that the at all thought out. Right. At, so at that's, all. I, I, I agree. And there is a, uh, <laughs> there's a whole nother section we could do changing communication in the workplace as a, as its own episode. Do you have yeah. an experience that's relevant where maybe you were a part of a change that was coming and then there was just a major uproar where nobody explained it. It was just, you're doing it. Yeah, actually I do. Um, back in, uh, 2011, Chaz, my organization was one of the first organizations in the County where I worked Uh that implemented a no smoking policy at work. Now this is before that was meaning no smoking on the grounds. We were the first away from the door. We were, we were the first, we were the first company in the County uh-huh. to no, not just 30 feet away from the door. It was on any company property, period. No kidding. Yes. Wow. So, so, um, you can imagine that. So here's, here's the, here's the thing about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked it through. We reckon part of the issue was that we had a lot of folks who would say, well, why does so-and-so get to go take a smoke break every hour? And I don't have to, you know, I don't get to take a break. Right. Right. So so we, and then we talked about, well, it's not really a good look for an organization that to, that does what we do in terms of human services right. to to have people smoking on our grounds. Right. It's not it doesn't promote our vision, doesn't promote our 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 values as an organization for health right. and wellness. So long story longer. Um, yeah, um, we uh, <laughs> you know, we we were the first organization in the county that did it so much so it was such a a big deal that we made the front page of the newspaper um and my name you know i had quotes in there all sorts of stuff oh yeah i can't believe i never told you this story i I really i've never heard it yeah Yeah. so i thought for sure that we would have several people quit because of this change we had one person quit and the thing about it is that looking back hindsight is Mm -hmm. 2020 do I wish I would have done a better job communicating the whys? Yes. However, um, again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right. Um, I don't know. I just think that uh, I, I, I don't regret doing it. And it turns out we were a trailblazer um, that several organizations followed us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of good that comes out of that story. It, it, not not for the sake of, of the workers or the business. I just hear the fact that you you knowingly recognize had we explained the why first because of the health and safety of the people you were taking care of. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and you were working in health and human services. So you had patients for lack of a better term that you had to focus on for the sake of the, the organization, even though you had employees who, you know, were smoking. Right. So it's, 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 it's kind of difficult, right? Controlled environment. And then as you saw, you know, the law change over the course of time and say, hey, you can't smoke on the premises or you have to be so far away from the door. Or um, I would love to separate that conversation because I want to talk about the time impact that that yeah. had. Like if people <laughs> yeah. needed 15 to go smoke, like did they have to run to their car, drive off property, smoke, and then come back? Like there's a uh, lot of yes. repercussions, right? Yes, but, <laughs> but, that, but, but we didn't allow that. Oh. <laughs> But people, but people still did it. Right. Well, it's interesting because that's a really great, great story for kind of point number two is how did you equip managers to be effective in that situation? So you go through team selection and you explain the, the why 
behind the what and the change. Mm -hmm. And that typically doesn't lead to as much resistance, although there's always going to be resistance to change. But typically when I'm working with companies and I hear, you know, well, we'll just roll it out to the managers. Well, have you equipped them to be effective within the change? And the first question, the Julie Devlin special is what does that even mean? (laughs) Right? Like, what does that even mean to equip them to be effective? And I got to give a shout out to our friends over at ProSci who came up with a a kind of a five letter model. It's called Clark, C-L-A-R-C. And in these roles within you know, equipping managers to be effective, going back to that team selection is you have communicator, liaison, advocate, resistance manager, and coach. Mm -hmm. So the point you made earlier was, well, don't you need some detractors or people who are against it? Well, I don't think that there's something wrong with them being a part of the team, but some of those people when you convert them to equipping management to be effective can also be your greatest ally when it comes to resistance manager, right? Does that make sense? So you're, you're someone who is a detractor of the change, right? Okay. And I explain the why behind it, you get the what, and then you're on board, right? Yes. If you were the visibly, per, you know, you were the person visibly who did not want the change, but I have since, explained why the change will be great and how it's going to benefit you. And now you're on my side. Don't you think that individual would be the best resistance manager? Yes. See what yes. I'm saying? Yeah, so, I do see what you're saying. I do, you are the change guy. Yeah. You're, you're the one that gets me to see these things a little bit differently. I hear you. Well, well, so think, you know, you think about the change that you just went through. Had you found someone who understood the process of, hey, you're, we're not going to smoke on the premises of our organization anymore because of health and safety of our patients for the sake of the business, you know, having someone that could be like, you know what, I, I understand it. I don't agree with it. And then employees again, resistance manager is the hardest job in this, but you have someone who can advocate for both sides that may be participating in that activity. I think you're going to implement an equipment that in my opinion is equipping a manager to be effective to some degree. Right. Mm. So, you know, it really is the hardest part, but it's this idea of helping others accept and embrace the change and not, you don't have to like it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We get we get it in our heads in business that we have to like everything that goes on. And I don't I don't agree with that. I don't I don't agree with that. No, we don't have to like everything. Um, but if but we also have choices as people. And if we if we're at a point where we don't agree or it doesn't Mm -hmm. something doesn't align with our values or agreed, you know, our lives, you know, at that point, instead of complaining about it it's like, do something about it. You can either leave the organization or go to a different part of the organization or, you Mm -hmm. know, or, or accept the changes. Um, But I think that I think resistance to change is always going to be there. um, No matter, no matter what. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about baseball Chaz right now, right now, the, the, the discussion, the, the pitch clock, yeah. You know, we or the batter clock. Right. Right. So for so and it, talking about a, an institution that has had to change and the resistance to that change. I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of talk radio and mm-hmm. uh, sports talk radio. And there are so many phone calls from baseball traditionalists who do not want this 
change, right? So, right. by the way, for those of you who are not sports fans, there's a, a 15 second timer for the batter to step into the box and and get the pitch now. And right. for for most some batters, it was a full minute between pitches. Right. Um, you know, adjusting adjusting things and and swinging and batting gloves stuff. Oh my right. gosh. So what that's done is it slowed down the game. And in today's society, folks don't want slow. They want fast. So baseball has had to adapt to that Mm -hmm. and they've had to pivot. So, but there's been so much resistance. Right. Where it's interesting because that typically with resistance, it's my opinion that it was not communicated well. Like Mm -hmm. the change was not communicated well enough for people to understand the why behind the change. Now, the instance you gave, and by the way, I don't necessarily agree with the the 15 seconds. Do I think three would be okay Uh, as a baseball fan? I'm actually in the camp of making baseball slower, but it it is. I am too. However, that'll never happen. I know it, it can't. You're there for four and a half hours, right? So, yeah. um, you know, but but I think with all of this, when we talk about equipping managers or we equip a baseball team or we equip our players or whatever it is, you know, did you have the communication in place beforehand? And mm-hmm. did you have the answers before the questions are asked? And I think that's where when you're selecting a team, going back to the point you made of having a detractor, right, is really, really important. Because it's really great if you and I are on board for the change and we're really excited and we're trying to generate excitement when 80% of your workforce is like, oh, no, I don't want to do that at all. I need to find somebody who's going to speak up and then let's get those questions that everybody's going to be up in arms about answered before we you know, roll out the change. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's about equipping managers, but also adopting technology to help with these changes as well. Um, And, you know, of course, UKG can help with that. But there's other technologies, too, right, Right. that that can help with changes and really making sure that your tech stack and your tech strategy is in place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's another uh, another, uh, you know, consideration for organizations. So, yeah, I think the tech piece, too, is it's 100 percent important. Going back to a previous episode, we talked about the different learning styles and how you can engage employees. I said, you know, for me, where I get frustrated I shouldn't say I get frustrated with companies, but I get frustrated with with the way that training is approached or the technology approach often is a miscue is what happens when something doesn't go the way you want it to with employees. Um, And the response is typically, well, we're just going to send them to training. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not okay. Like that's not okay because it's, it's, what do you, what have we not shared? Go ahead. Well, my question then is, Who's doing the training? What does that training accomplish? Is right. that person equipped to do the training? I mean, right. there's a million different questions. Yeah, I think the big piece is we don't focus on what do I do, when do I do it, and how do I do it. Yeah. There, are, I'm I'm very simple, Julie. I am very very simple. Okay, if I have step by step instructions. I can do really, really well at things. All right. (laughs) When people start talking to me in concepts or force me to sit down in front of a computer and click through modules, works for a lot of people, does not work for me. Right. I'm not a great, I'm not a great test taker or module, module person. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so bad. Right. But where we forget is that if we don't learn about those learning styles or our response with a manager, and I think you shared this on a previous episode, well, we just need to, we just need to send them to training. I think we've, we've lost the purpose of, of 
that resistance manager, or we've lost the per, you know, the purpose of what it means to be a liaison of the change, right. Engaging and supporting that project team. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we, we do have technology that can help us over communicate. And I know I've said this on a previous episode, you want to know what I like about annoying over communication What's that? is that people get it. <laughs> Is that people um, get it? And it's like, yeah. you know, at some point you get so frustrated where you're like, can you please not send me another email? <laughs> Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, you know, and, and I know we're getting long here. I just want to throw one more thing in there about change and why mm-hmm. resistance to change is there a lot. It's because, you know, our, our colleague, Karina Madison, who heads up the, uh, the megatrends Maybe. for UKG, yeah. the human energy crisis was one of t- this year's megatrends 2023. And, you know, I think when people think of a change, um, a lot of it is that they don't have the capacity within them because right. they're so stressed out with other things. So, right. Um, yeah. Shout out Karina. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And, and that also goes back to the environment of equipping managers. If we do a good job of equipping managers to communicate the change in a way that people are going to be willing to accept so much of it relies upon that communication, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's the critical piece. And where we, we miss is we just come in and say, here's, here's what we're doing. Yeah. Right. And don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. There is a time and a place for that. But if you're requiring to change your business strategy or business model, or, you know, something that's based on customer demand, we've got to kind of build a resilient mindset within that to say, Hey, change isn't going anywhere. All right. How do you respond to change? And if you're responding in a negative way, you need to tell us where we can meet you in the middle. So that helps them build resiliency, but also meets the demand of the business. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Chaz, what did you find your purpose in today? We're getting long. (laughs) (sighs) I get really excited talking about this stuff. I know. I know. um, I found my purpose in change. There's no easy way to implement a change, but there are easier ways to help implement change. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mine is change is the only constant and we as people need to learn to adapt um, and survive uh, just like Major League Baseball is doing. So, and by the way, Barb, if you got this far, hello again. <laughs> there you go. You want to close this yep. out, Jules? Um, yeah. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. And um, a few reminders before we leave, don't forget to like, subscribe. Uh, on social media, uh, like LinkedIn and, you know, places like that, Chaz. Um, be sure to check out the latest blogs and research from the Workforce Institute at UKG by visiting workforceinstitute.org. Um, and uh, again, we appreciate all of you uh, for listening. So thanks for listening, y'all. Cheers. Bye. Bye.